That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. I'm Viola Benson. Welcome to Too Tired to Be Crazy with me on every Thursday, the best dating, relationship, everything, <laughs> dating, relationship advice, whatever you want to hear. I'm here for you. Today, I have a very special guest. He goes, his nickname is Figs, but I, I'm so upset because I'm going to butcher your full name. And why don't you say your name? So I don't have to. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. And my full name is Fiacra O'Sullivan. So Fiacra or Sullivan or Good. best known as Figs, Fig. um, that's his nickname. So he is basically a licensed marriage and family therapist and certified in emotionally focused therapy for couples through counseling for individual and couples, mm. right? Yeah. And you basically help people work out how to love better, understand each other, feel safe within yourself, feel safe in your love, feel safe with your partner, heal from different types of losses, cheating or grief. Um, deal with arguments with your partner, achieve intimacy and things like that, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. And you are located in San Francisco. I'm, yeah, physically in San Francisco. Yes. And everyone can find your website at empathy with an I dot com. Cool. Dot com. Yeah. But we'll talk about that later. Okay. So um, I'm really excited to have you on because I live for um, feelings and emotions and empathy and everything. So this is kind of great. Awesome. Uh, um, I, I wrote so many questions, but okay, let's just start. Okay. My number one thing that I was wondering is, is empathy something that you're born with or do you develop it over the years? Well, I definitely don't think you're born with it. Any, <laughs> if you've ever spent any time with little kids, in fact, one of the things that's actually a really good thing for parents to realize with little kids is it takes a while before they're developmentally ready to have empathy. And so a lot of parents struggle with that. Like they see their kid hit another, you know, kid on the playground and they just like, how could you do that? Don't you know when that happens to you, like how bad you feel? But kids aren't really able to start developing empathy until they're like at the very earliest, like really kindergartners. You can you can start the process of helping them. So so no, we, we, it's something we learn over time. But I've noticed that there's some people uh, when we come when we come to adults, some people seem to have more empathy than others. Absolutely. Yeah. And look, there's definitely, you know, nature nurture part of that. Like, and I don't get too technical, right? There, there's um, conceptual empathy. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I have felt sadness and something happened to you today and I can see you're sad and I conceive of your being sad. And then there's the ability to physically feel empathy. And a good example of that would be, I see you jump off a table onto the ground and I actually imagine my legs landing and I feel a physical pain. I literally feel a physical pain in my body. 
And of course, as a pair, you know, I've got two little kids as a pair and I have that all the time, right? Cause my kids are sprinting down the road. They are fearless. And I, I picture them falling and I feel physical pain. Right. So not, well, you know, I'd say the vast majority of people can, can get conceptual empathy. Oh, you're, you lost your granny. Right. Like, you know, um, I get how you would be sad. Uh, but not as many people could actually feel deeply the sadness with you as you're feeling it. Can a person lack some empathy but still know how to love or feel love? Um, well, sure. You know, obviously what I do for a living is I try and help people learn how to have empathy. So people starting the process with me where they're lacking, quote unquote, empathy, like, that's okay. Um but just try and help them have the kind of experiences where they could actually uh, learn how to be an empathic other to their partner, to their friends, family, to the world, you know. How can you have uh, on your website when I was going through some stuff, you said how you help people have empathy for yourself, which I think that's so important and like having compassion for yourself, yeah. especially through hard times. Like, so what do you mean by how can you have empathy for right. yourself? Yeah. So, so one of the easiest ways, and again, I smile because again, I hope I don't start sounding crazy to your listeners and viewers. No, right. we tired for that. Oh, good. Exactly. Good. That's true. Right. Um, so instead of thinking of yourself as one person, which of course you're not, that's actually an illusion. There are many subjectivities inside you. There's actually many different violets, right? There's the violet that like, I can't believe it took so long to drive here. And then there's the you that's excited. There's the you that feels sad. There's the you that like can feel ashamed of yourself, right? There's just so many different versions of you all inside this one container that is I am violet, right? Right. So just for a moment, we're going to just talk about two of that multiplicity that you really are. And two of those are, there's a very vulnerable you that hurts. Unless we'll talk about love and relationship, right? So let's say like you're in a relationship and you were um, left Mm -hmm. for some reason or another. And it really hurts. It's really, really sad, right? It's very painful. And it's hard to get out of bed in the morning. It's hard to look at your friends or your family because it's too embarrassing and shameful that your partner left you. Um, that That's enough pain to be in. Then there's often a second person within you, your multiplicity, that people then create because they actually think this is a helpful voice. Whereas now that second person comes in and sees Violet lying in her bed, all upset and sad and says to her, you're pathetic. Exactly. <laughs> you are pathetic. Look at you. You should be strong right now, feeling sad and lying in bed all day. Okay. Empathy would be telling that particular Violet to go fuck yourself. Mm-hmm. Leave her alone. She's hurting enough. And then you would call on a third violet that's going to actually come in also and say, come here, violet, it's okay you're hurting. Of course you'd be sad. This is awful. You love them so much. And the fact that he's gone, of course, you're going to be lying here for the week and it's okay. And you don't have to lie here on your own. I'm going to be here with you and love you. And you can be as sad as long as you want. I love that. So, um... 
that would be a way, obviously, that you'd be empathic to yourself when you're hurting. I love that. I love that whole explanation. That was amazing. Okay. Um, so is that also part of um, when you were talking about feeling safe, feeling safe to be your true self in life and in love? Yeah, I mean, you know, well, actually, you know, when I was doing a little reading on you, right, on your website and looking at some of your shows, I actually think you modeled this pretty well, right? That you, your journey is you have wounded places inside. And instead of covering them up and being like, you know, we all do a little bit, right? But instead of being like, yo, I'm violent and I'm like, killer, cool, right? The whole point of this show, right, is that you're like, you know, I've got messy places inside i make mistakes and you own it mm -hmm. you embody it right and then you share it authentically with others and and that's you know so instead of trying to deny who you are and all the places that you're hurting inside um how do we integrate those parts of ourselves into our story of ourselves, and then be like brave enough to then meet the world that way CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. How can I be the one I've been waiting for instead of me waiting, instead yeah. of me waiting for someone to come my way? Yeah. You were also talking about um, changing that perspective and being the one that you wait for. Right. Is that also part of being like true to yourself and like having <clears throat> empathy for yourself? Yeah. So let me, so that, that particular expression, um, here's where that is born out of and it's terrible. I don't remember where that quote originally comes from. Be the one you've been waiting for. And then I added to it and I wrote a piece on my own life. I think it's called, um, what's it called again? The Place I'll Go Before I Die. Yes. Right. And um, thank you. I don't even remember things I wrote. But, but so here's the deal, right? When you were little, when you were little, there are moments in life you, me, everybody listening or watching, there are moments in life where you did not get all the love you needed. And I don't care how amazing your parents are, right? It, like, look, there are moments with my kids, I have to put them in the car and put the seatbelt on them in the back and I'm sitting in the front and they're like, how could you, <laughs> right? Like, you know what I mean? You're like, no, we got to go from A to B. You got to be strapped in, right? But they're devastated. You, right? You're so unloving and unkind, right? They don't have those words, right. but that's what they're thinking, right? They're really hurt and injured, right? So even like best case scenario, they're hurting inside. And they have this place inside them where they feel whether it's A, nobody's there for me, right? I'm alone. I'm abandoned, right? Or B, the simplest way to think of it, they feel rejected. They feel like me being me is not enough. I'm a disappointment, right? They're always unhappy with me. And when 
this person was growing up in their home, there was no way to resolve that issue. Like it couldn't, like, let's say, like, I felt like mom was never here because she had to work three jobs. And it wasn't even her fault, but I was alone a lot and it was heartbreaking. Well, I had to adapt. I had to survive. I couldn't go to mom and say, hey, mom, by the way, do you know, like when I'm four or five, you know the way you have three jobs? I'm actually feeling kind of alone and abandoned in here. And I'd really love to have this reparative missing experience of you with you that you actually stayed at home all day with me today. Right. Mm -hmm. You know. It's just not going to happen. Mom is not equipped to do it because she actually has to work to put food on the table and pay the rent. So it couldn't happen then. No one was there. And this is a good example because mom was not being bad. She literally couldn't be there. Right. No one was there. So now here I am, like, you know, 25, right? You're like 25. Sure. Okay. 25. Like, here I am now, a grown up, 25 years old. And um, I have those feelings still inside me where I'm alone. Why won't you be here? Like I, I, all those feelings are there. But then again, remember who could, who could sprint in the door? Violet, <laughs> you are not alone. I am here. And right. it's, a, again, it's the same story, like that you could actually be the loving presence to yourself now that wasn't there back then. So that is how we are becoming and being to ourselves the one we've been waiting for. What about the coping mechanisms that you develop when you're younger or throughout the year? So then let's say like if, mo- if my mother was working three jobs and she wasn't around, then obviously I'm not developed enough in my brain as a child to, to, to think about that I'm feeling that I'm experiencing exactly. those emotions. Instead, I'll develop a coping mechanism where, right. where it's okay, like I'll just isolate myself or I just won't say anything and I won't really feel much or whatever. So what do you do with those type of coping mechanisms that you develop as you keep getting older? Yeah, well, so I'll tell you what happens most of the time is people keep playing out those coping mechanisms. As, you know, so firstly, to our coping mechanisms, we should do fist bump. Thank you. Right. You helped me get to where I am today. Like, so I'm so grateful. The only reason we have coping mechanisms is because we had to. We had to survive. And then there's some point in life, hopefully, that we realize women maybe in their 30s, men maybe when they're 60. No, hopefully 30s, 40s. Well, you know, (laughs) men a little bit slower, right? No, in general, right? Terrible. But but we realize, oh, shit, these coping mechanisms that I do to survive so that I limit the amount I feel abandoned or rejected or feel like I'm too much or not enough, they're not working. They're actually getting me in more trouble. And so hopefully, and this is a crazy thing to say, that your emotional pain gets so great in a moment of relationship that you realize, hold on a second, I got to take a look at myself and be curious. What is it that I do and what is it I co-create with another human being that ends up in this much pain? So then we're going to study, right? So if I know what my reaction is, let's say, let's say like every time you hurt my feelings, I'm like, Violet, you're a terrible person. Right. Like imagine like every like I was a real good blamer and criticizer at some point. I hope I can go like, OK, so that's my story about Violet. It's just a story. Right. It doesn't matter whether it's true or not, which I know it's not true. Right. But right. But like, here's my story of Violet. And the only reason I'm in the story of Violet is because I'm hurting inside. And so now I'm going to go digging inside. Well, how am I hurting? OK, 
Well, so if Violet wasn't there for me and my judgment of her, she's a terrible, mean person. Oh, damn it. That's what it is. <laughs> I really hurt when I don't feel I matter to her. I just want to matter. And it's actually a sad place for me. And it's scary. And I feel powerless. Oh. And I'm projecting. Well, yeah. So the projecting thing is what we start. Yeah, exactly. I'm projecting. I'm doing that thing I do to protect myself. This coping mechanism where I become a really good, fast talker and blamer and criticizer. It's how I think I'm strong. But it's not a strength, right? It's just this way I protect the fact that I'm hurting. But so then, like, let's say it just takes me 30 minutes. I've got 30 minutes where I'm like, Violet, you're terrible, right? But it takes me 30 minutes to go inside and go, look, why would I be thinking Violet's terrible? That has nothing to do with Violet. It's just to do what's happening inside of me. Oh, shit. It hurts when I don't think I matter to her because mattering, mattering to Violet is really important to me. And it's sad. And so now I could come back in minute 31 and go, Violet, you know the way I was kind of being mean to you and critical of you for the last 30 minutes? Actually, what was really happening deep down inside, I was really sad and I felt powerless because knowing that I'm important to you means so much to me. So that's, you know, how we, I still have my coping mechanism. I st the red mist still descends, but I can shorten the length of time that I'm in my reactivity, whether I'm a shutter down or isolate or blame. I or shut down. So like I, what you were describing is a guy that I uh, was recently talking to and I feel like that's how he would deal with things. It suddenly was like a, like he's a victim in the blaming game. And then my reaction is right. obviously probably my own defense mechanism where I completely shut down. Yeah. And there's so many things I'm thinking about and I want to say, but I don't know how to react. So I'm just completely, I'm silent. And then to other people, it comes off as like, oh, she's so cold or she right. doesn't care. But instead I'm like, I need to process like every, like all my emotions. And I feel like I don't matter. So like, I don't even want to say anything. Right. Yeah. And look, that's awful. Right. And, but here's the thing. Here's the key phrase. This next thing I'm going to say, it's awful for both of you. So, yeah. so this is the key thing, right? Because when, when a couple, two people that are important to each other are in a moment of disconnection, there's actually four things happening. Right. Um, and let's just, just because it's easier, this is just you and me, just for a second, right? We'll just role play, right? Your wife's um, going to be so mad. She's <laughs> like, you've been dating Violet this yeah, whole time. <laughs> no, I, I, by the way, sometimes my clients get really confused there. I'm always talking about I as if I'm the client and they're yeah. like, are you talking about me now again <laughs> or you, right? But so look, so there's a place, so there's just these four things happening. I'm, when we're in a fight, right? I'm hurting because being connected to you means so much, right? And then that's number one. Number two, there's stuff I do to protest the fact that I'm hurting. So I'm a shutter downer or a blamer, right? So in this case, right, that I'm a blamer, right? Because it looked like you weren't there for me and I'm hurting inside because you being there means so much. That's why it hurts. It's a vulnerable experience. And I cannot tolerate this vulnerability. So I rise up in the number two, you, my eyes narrow and I start telling you how terrible you are, which hits number three. <gasps> It hits a place in Violet that like, I'm not enough again, I'm unacceptable, which is a place I know from one of your other podcasts that you actually know deep inside you in your own life. So now I'm back, right? My body, my body's back in this place. I'm unacceptable again, I'm in trouble. And it's so unbearable that I do four. I react. And the way I react is in the same way as my boyfriend reacts, right? Yeah, I don't start going, oh yeah, well, let me tell you about you. I like freeze and get smaller and tighter. 
I get resentful and I shut yeah, down. Right. I get I'm just shut like, down. Like as you're talking, I'm looking at you, I'm just like <laughs> re- so resentful like, <laughs> going to say to that. Right. Yeah. But so here's the thing. So you do that, then it brings us back to one. So now he's going to feel even more. See, she's not here. So now I'm going to have to double down and do even more of my blaming and criticizing, which, of course, now you're going to be in more trouble, unacceptable. So now I'm going to get even more resentful. I'm going to like withhold even more. Right. Um, and on and on it goes. We just keep doing this. Yeah. Because then four. my brain will process. I'm resentful. I shut down and my brain right away is processing an escape route to protect myself. So my my reaction is like, okay, how do I exit this whole relationship right, right away? Right. Because this person doesn't care about me because they're doing this and this and this. And I'm already not seeing, obviously, them being they're hurting. hurting. Exactly. Because I, I just see them hurting me. So then, so yeah, it's so crazy how you can, you can have completely different styles of how you react to things. Yeah. And you're just like completely pushing each other away. Exactly. And by the way, when you say it's so crazy, that is the norm. The vast majority of relationships, uh, the relentless lover from, you know, the empathy so, uh, yeah. quiz. So really quick, I took a quiz on empathy with an I dot com. I took this quiz to see the type of lover that I am. I took it last night, though. So I feel like I was questioning myself. So I'm not sure if I'm 100 percent correct, because sometimes I was thinking, do I feel like this or is this what I think people think of me? But anyway, I got relentless lover and everyone should try to take this quiz. But I can see how I can be a relentless lover where it means that I um, really want compassion for my partner or like I I want like when I'm hurting, I want to be around them even more or something, right? Yeah. I mean, look, what you just described right now of where it looks like my partner is disappointed in me and I'm actually really hurting inside and now I'm starting to pull away and be unavailable would not be like, look, I'd have to get to know you much better to know what your attachment style is. But on the surface, that doesn't sound like a it doesn't sound like a relentless lover. That's what I was thinking. That's right. what I was like, I feel like I'm confused. Yeah. That's, you know, which one I'm doing. Yeah, but that's okay. But but look, I want to like, here's the most important thing. Right? I think I, maybe I used to be a relentless lover. Right. And I feel like it made me feel so rejected by doing that. So now right. I completely like with my ex-boyfriend, we're on and off for seven years. Mm. And I feel like I've learned that that just pushes people more away. So now I completely just give up right away. Right. And so mo- and so just like we have a um, we have an expression as couples counselors that someone is probably probably still a relentless lover deep down inside, but they're a burnt out relentless lover. Me. OK, that's me. So they may <laughs> look on the surface like they're um, a reluctant lover, but really they're they're actually that's just a mask they're wearing because there is so much pain for trying to be loved and seeming like they're too much. Yeah, like when if I upset my partner, whether or not I'm wrong or he's wrong, regardless, I will be really sad afterwards. But like, I will just be sad on my own and like really, really sad. Right. Like, it hurts me to even hurt other people. Right. But I yeah. just don't like. No, people are not aware of it because like, they just I don't tell them. Yeah. But I still well, feel it. Well, I can see it now, right? You <laughs> feel it right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So let me come here. Let me yeah. just go back to the one okay. thing. So we won't try and I won't be a therapist. I won't try and access your feelings and make you cry on your podcast. But come here. Proud. Let me say one one quick thing, right? The key, most important thing, all roads to a better relationship have to pass through our ability to see this is not a me problem or a you problem. This is an us problem. And it's an us problem that's only happening because both of us are hurting right now because we mean so much to each other. And both of us are reacting in ways because our connection seems to be threatened in ways that are actually making things worse. Now, if two people, two people that love each other are always going to scare the living daylights out of each other. 
because we're that important to each other, it's going to look like, did, did you go away? Where, I thought you were here with me. Where, where did you go? And then the person that hears that statement is like, oh, Jesus, am I in trouble again? Right? They're going to scare the living daylights out of each other all the time. But the only reason they're scaring the living daylights out of each other is because they mean so much to each other. That's interesting. But now I feel like every person that's good, that's like in a toxic relationship thinks like, oh, that's why we fight so much because well, we love so each other so So when you say much. you're in a toxic relationship, until someone has actually tried to see the system, look, everybody's going to think they're in a toxic relationship when all they can see is the way I'm hurting what the other person does to me. Two people that all they have access to are two of the four parts that are happening. I'm hurting and you did it to me. And then, of course, your partner is now I'm hurting and you're doing it to me. As long as two people only have access to only two of the four things that are happening, yeah, of course it's going to seem toxic. But the very thing that makes your relationship toxic is actually what also makes it beautiful. Because it's only happening because you love each other. This is the way, like when people come to see me, their relationship looks like they we get all the ingredients that makes their relationship look like a pile of shit right? They're fighting and it looks toxic. And then we just rearrange the ingredients, rearrange their perspective of what's happening. And those exact same ingredients that looks like a pile of shit, like a toxic relationship, actually makes a beautiful and delicious cake. And then when we help them make that transition from seeing this pile of shit to it's a beautiful and delicious cake, then we help them eat the cake. And you know what eating the cake is? Loving each other. Oh, that's sweet. Uh, what does it mean when you meet someone and you, this, this is not about me. This is about no, no, your cousin's sister. No, no, but I'm, this is about, I'm just, I just, I am. Everybody asks me questions and tell me, no, it's not like, just, you know, no, but this this really isn't about me. This is about someone I went out with. What does it mean when you meet someone and you feel like you're not good enough for them? Where's that coming from? Right. Well, again, you know, I, I know you're not a big fan of the whole childhood wounding you know, explains <laughs> our behaviors in relationship. But look, we, I believe we all have unworthy places inside and we recognize in other people the part of me that feels not good enough. And there's two different types of not good enough, right? I'm going to be not enough because I won't be funny enough. I won't be engaged enough. I have to spend too much alone time, whatever it is, right? I won't be able to give them enough time. Um, and then, of course, the other one is I'll be too much. My feelings are too much, right? I'm going to like seem like, anyway, so some variation of I feel like I'm not going to be enough because something in my body recognizes with this one, I could end up back feeling all those feelings that are the most painful things for me to feel. Now, that can be a huge hook for people too, right? Because ultimately what our organism wants to do is re-enter an experience like that where I'm back in the not enoughness or I'm back in the too muchness but I could have the reparative experience. I could actually now go from the biggest hook for people is like, actually, you're the one that I don't feel like I'm enough for. And I really want to be enough for you. Right. So that's act, because that was act, that would actually be real, real healing. Right. But it also, of course, is probably going to march that couple into some pain and suffering before we get a chance for healing to happen. Right, because so that comes from, that's their issue that they're experiencing for some reason when they meet a person, they it's something triggers in them and they feel that right. trauma with that specific person. But yeah. like, 
that sucks for that person then because that person didn't do anything wrong and then they have to go through this like weird battle or something well, where well, so, someone feels like they're not enough for them and i'm not that person not even doing anything wrong yeah well so look here's what i find right the be absolutely right yes and right most of the time let's say you're a, a six out of ten a wounding under i feel abandoned i'm scared of being abandoned i really want to be important to someone you're probably going to draw someone into your life that's a six out of ten on the oh god i hope my partner's not going to be disappointed in me i really hope like are you happy with me now how about now you're so if you really want to start drawing so look Someone that's going to dance with you, like if you're like, you know, like, oh, my God, I really hope I'm going to be enough for you. Most likely for them to actually enter that dance with you, they have an equal amount of, oh, my God, I really, I really hope, I really hope you'll be here for me. Aww. Right. So, um, so, and then if you want to start being with people that have less wounding, do the work on yourself to be less wounded. And then you'll draw on a track people that have actually also gone from a six out of 10 to a three out of 10 on the opposite right. side of the equation. So then those people who may feel like they're not enough uh, for someone else, uh, they're obviously carrying scars from old relationships and from their childhood. You're saying that they should work on themselves first before they're going to enter into these relationships. Well, you know, so the, I, I'm a big believer the best place to do personal work in a lot of cases, especially around this is inside a couple. Because here's the, let's say you came to see me on your own, right, for individual counseling. We just talk about your stuff. Like we'd be talking about it. Let's say we sat you and your boyfriend down on a couch together. We're not going to just be talking about it. It's going to happen right now. And we're going to get to work on all of these vulnerable feelings. And we're going to get to see all the stuff you do. Um, in real time. And then we'll see your boyfriend's vulnerable feelings and we'll see all the stuff he does real time. So we'll get to try and transition that moment of escalation where your limbic systems are firing and you both feel you're under threat and try and help you get to a place where actually it's okay. We're not under threat. We're two people that love each other and we just got scared for a moment and find that neutral empathic moment that we can then fill with love and compassion and soothing and nurturing each other. So you got to do the work on yourself, but the best place to do it is inside a relationship where both of you are willing to be curious about yourself and right. curious about the Because two system. people need to try to make it work. It can't just be like one person wants to make it work. The other person just feels like the victim, but they're not willing to do the work on themselves. Yeah, but, you know, but it's okay for one person to start the process skeptical. You don't have to yeah. do... The example I often give is, let's say you're going to go to Disneyland. You're like, Psh, I don't fucking go to Disneyland. But at least you'll get in the car. And then yeah. maybe you're still, by the time you get to the gate, you're still, why are we even here? It's okay. You're still here. I feel like I like stiffed up and toughened up having this conversation because I feel like yeah. my, my, um, I've been told that whenever I feel emotions now, I try to feel in my body too right. to understand where it's That's coming great. from. Perfect. So I can feel my body got stiff because mm. that, which means I was experiencing resentment mm. when we we're having this conversation. I right. think I was experiencing, and my, I literally like toughened up. I felt re like my body was so stiff and I'm like. Right. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And come here, resentment. So this is resentment is one of those signpost emotions. It's a secondary emotion. Resentment is not a primary emotion. So if you're feeling resentment, there's another feeling much deeper down inside. And again, so remember the two people, 
Mm-hmm. You have one that protects the vulnerable side, one inside you. And that protector knows how to fear resentment. Fuck you for hurting that girl inside me, right? But so that's great. So now we know the protector is here who can fear resentment. But who is she protecting? Who is she? What does she feel like? What's it like to be her to feel rejected or abandoned? And and so and so that's the one that hopefully we can get to that I'm actually really hurting. And then we could share our hurt vulnerable place. What does it mean to be emotionally unavailable? And how do you even know whether emotionally unavailable? Like sometimes I think a lot of us um, do things to avoid intimacy, right. including myself. Yeah. And without even realizing, and we sit there and we're like, oh, that person's emotionally unavailable. But like, what if I'm emotionally unavailable? How do you know? Yeah, well, look, on some level, I think we're all emotionally unavailable. Intimacy is really, really vulnerable, right? I always like competency is the enemy of intimacy. For For people to be truly intimate, they're going to have to feel really incompetent and they're going to feel really vulnerable. So true intimacy is not two people they meet at a bar on whatever strip that people meet at in, in LA, yeah. right? And go, hello. And the other person's, yeah, right? And they're like, oh, you're great, man, right? And they're like all over each other, right? They're not, that's just, you know, as Chris Rock says, that's their representatives getting together, right? At some point, you know, after six months of their representatives getting together, right? They're going to be two people that, you know, I'm actually, I'm actually kind of vulnerable and I'm not sure I'm fully chosen by you. And the other person is, mm, I'm a little worried that if you really knew who I am, I might be unacceptable. And can they stay down there and being incompetent and vulnerable and still connect with each other? No. Right. So, and that's the work then. How can I tolerate moments of being incompetent and vulnerable and staying inside myself and being willing to meet another human being from this place? And eventually, like, hopefully people grow up and they want a real relationship and they don't want to just keep, you know, um, moving. This didn't work. It's too hard. I'm out. I'm going to get back on my dating site and try the next one. Keep going, like knock yourself out. There's nothing wrong with it. But at some point, I hope people will stand in the fire and be vulnerable, be incompetent, get to know themselves and um, try and share that vulnerable self with another. I've noticed that um, a lot of times people are really scared, obviously, to fall in love, to be vulnerable. It's yeah. scary. And because we all start to feel that like fear of rejection or abandonment and uh, we start to assume the worst. And I've noticed that sometimes it almost feels in an odd way when you suddenly get in the, into those negative emotions, it feels a sense of comfort and safety now in right. your sad point versus you feel almost unsafe to try to pursue, to fall right. in love. And you feel almost more safe to just assume the worst. Like how, what, what are people doing? Like, how do we fix that within ourselves to kind of be able to take a leap? Like, uh, do you know what I'm trying to I say? Do. Like you start no, to feel yeah, this absolutely. weird comfort. Like I rather almost just assume this is going to fail. And I feel like a safety net assuming right. in my like negative emotions. And I feel like I feel more safe in that than to actually be next to the partner that I really like and I want to pursue. Yeah. Look, I, I think you said it very well. It's safer, right? This is a known place. And even though it's a painful place, it's a knowable place. There's no unknowns in it. And I'm I'm not actually facing further rejection or abandonment, right? Um, 
So it is an actual safer place, whereas the reaching out, being vulnerable, like I'm actually really scared and I want to be with you. And it's it's actually hard for me to feel this way. That's infinitely more scary. That's re takes real, real courage, right? That's arguably the hardest threshold for people to be able to cross when they actually feel they're most scared of being abandoned or they're most scared of being rejected and they're closest to feeling unworthy in some way to somehow sit in those feelings and still reach out to another and let themselves be seen was terrifying okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And so that what I do is I march people up to those thresholds and hold them there and help them, um, you know, accept, be in the vulnerable feelings. And I need lots of tissues in my office. And then to reach out and see if, like, someone would be there for them. And then, of course, I help them love each other. Is it normal to, I was reading that apparently when you feel anxious in the beginning of the relationship, it's a normal feeling that you're meant to to feel like to kind of have to have those you start to feel those fears in the beginning and like you're you may be too much and all that and a lot of people when they experience that anxiety in the beginning when they date someone they assume that means like like what is it fight or flight or whatever yeah fight flight freeze so it's like yeah. run away versus i was just reading that it's actually very normal to, to feel those feelings of anxiety in the beginning when you're dating someone yeah. what is that well, so look, you know, my definition of what love is ultimately, I mean, there's romantic love when you're first meeting someone and it's just really exciting and you look like you're an amazing break dancer and they think you're an amazing moonwalker and like that. I love the beginnings. Exactly. The beginnings are great. But ultimately what real um, love really is an emotional bond and our emotional bond is so important to me that uh, you to me, are the one that I want to be emotionally bonded with. And if we're not emotionally bonded with, it really hurts and it's scary for me, right? So, so that when we're in the beginning stages of a relationship and I look over at this person and I'm starting to feel, oh, you're the one I'd like to be emotionally bonded with, right? It's actually pretty scary. Like the, these, the, everything that's amazing about love and relationship um, if it's amazing, then there's also the possibility that we're going to lose it. And uh, so they always go hand in hand, right? Like it's always that way, right? The yin and the yang archetypes always come in pairs, right? Like if some, if you're incredibly happy that it's a fleeting moment, 
you're definitely going to lose it. So you can never experience true joy without the actual grief of it passing. You cannot really experience true love but be, without being aware of the pain of it. It's definitely going to go away. But you all, yeah, and I agree. But like, that's why I love someone who's experiencing the really like low lows. Yeah. Because then you have those moments of joy and you really appreciate Absolutely. it even more because of that. And that's the other thing I was going to say. The low lows, if you're really, look, true embodied sadness, grief, you know, that's your, that's aliveness. Like, you know, we want to, one of the things I would say, I don't help people feel better. I help people feel their feelings better. You, you can be, as as fully alive as you could possibly be in the midst of your sadness if you allow yourself to have that sadness right like life wants to live and if what what's knocking on your life's door right now is sadness let's do it no i agree i think like you're literally crying out the anxiety and you're crying out the the sadness and you're healing it's that's what's so funny like uh there was just fires near my house right. which is not funny at all no and the a few days ago when there were fires next to my house, I had no expression or feelings about it. I was just like, oh, okay, what's the next step? And I was kind of not, I wasn't irritated with myself, but it was obviously my defense mechanism where I completely shut down. Yeah. And then there was a fire again next to my house and something clicked in my head and I started to feel emotion and started crying. And then I started laughing right. and I was kind of like taping on my Instagram stories, which looked like I was having a breakdown. <laughs> <laughs> but the reason right. like I started to laugh because I was like, holy shit, I'm experiencing emotions. And I was like almost in a weird way so happy right. that they were finally coming out of me because I was so I was kind of worried about myself before yeah. that, that something so obviously a defense mechanism clicked in me because I stopped talking to a guy. And I think that completely shut me down. And suddenly I was experiencing zero emotions about anything. Right. So it was like me being so excited that I was like finally feeling right. something. No, that's wonderful. And I think you you obviously have an intuitive natural sense that emotions in motion, they want to move. And, and a lot of times we get scared of our feelings, especially the quote unquote negative feelings, you know, being sad, being in grief, feeling ashamed. But if we interrupt them, they get stuck inside us. And so the idea is like, can we actually let them move through us so that it makes room for something new to emerge? And you just gave a beautiful real life description of how that happened for you. But I think it's also like a, a, a lifelong journey to get through, to understand yourself better. Because for example, here's an example. When we start to talk, you know, I'm, I'm, I, you you obviously make people feel really at ease. I feel at ease. We're having conversation about empathy, things like that. So I'm a very, I'm a pretty empathic person. So I feel yeah. everything. So as we're having these conversations, I feel it in my heart, yeah. in my body. But my defense mechanism is, you know, to not experience those emotions. Right. So I will, um, I will like just like scratch, like you see here with mm, my nails. So I will scratch in, myself, yeah. like dig yeah. into my skin, right. which is what I was right. doing as we're having this conversation. So I can keep, you know, very, right. so we can keep having this conversation totally. without me crying, not understanding why I'm crying. <laughs> right. Yeah. But like, so I feel like that's why it takes, no matter how much I've learned about myself and grown as a person, these like, I guess, like you said, like, even though I hate, I hate ex uh, talking about childhood stuff, this yeah. childhood things do come right. into life because yeah. this is where it's coming from. Right. And this is how you're resourcing yourself. One way in like you, you're, you're, um, you're resourcing yourself. On one hand, this looks like this is this bad thing that you're digging your nails into your hand. But this is what you're doing right now in order to be able to survive and be present in the moment. It's a beautiful thing, <laughs> right? 
And yeah. I'm sure there's loads of ways, you know, that I've been resourced. Like, oh, I keep rubbing my legs, right? Oh. I keep my hands keep going. Like I'm I'm resourcing myself right now too. Right? Yeah. So that's so interesting. Yeah. Like I literally dig into my skin with my nails. It's so right. It's like such a weird habit. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I, I am wondering, um, why do some cause I want to talk about attachment styles. I wasn't even familiar with it until recently. And I thought it was really cool. I'm still, I still want to do a lot of research into it. And I was wondering why do some people self-sabotage their own relationships? Does that have to do with their type of um, attachment style? Yeah, absolutely. Right. I mean, so, so attachment theory, just to be clear, it's the best theory we have of what love is. And in short, love is the need to be emotionally bonded and attached right attached equals emotional bonding right and so everybody's subject and needs to be emotionally bonded from the cradle to the grave it's not an option it's just hardwired in if you can imagine when you were a little kid like when you were born and say you were born a hundred thousand years ago right your first needs were not food and shelter or an iphone right your, your first needs was there was a good enough other on the other side of your birth that was going to be there for you physically and emotionally. And if they weren't there for you, it made sense that you would freak out because you're actually facing an existential threat. You would die. So your whole body is built to determine, is my primary attachment figure actually there? And if it looks like they're not there, you will cry out, you'll protest. Right. And like we talked about, there, there's two main ways that people protest. People like move towards, hey, where, where are you? Right. Or they like, oh, okay, I'm going to like shut down and pull away. Right. Yeah. And so the person that tends to move towards and is more likely to feel abandoned, the technical term and attachment theory, that person is called the anxiously attached person and then the person that's more likely to pull away or withdraw or get defensive explain themselves that person is referred to as avoidantly attached and then there's two combos of those two okay and the combos are someone that has just a teensy weensy bit of wounding in the um in the ability to feel abandoned and only a teensy weensy bit of wounding and the ability to feel rejected we would call those people securely attached Right now, there's some island of securely attached people that they've never invited me. Right. So there are supposedly they're out there. I I don't particularly, but we all like the idea is we can all earn secure attachment. Right. Like I was saying, we can, we can start climbing from sixes out of tens and both sides down to like one or two. Right. And then, of course, the fourth one is where I have a lot of wounding on both sides. I actually have a lot of wounding and feeling abandoned. No one was there for me. And I have a lot of wounding and feeling rejected, like no matter what I did, it was never enough. And that, for an example, would be where I really want you close to me. Can please give me a hug? And then you give me a hug and I'm like, not like that. I don't want your arms over. Please put your arms under. Yeah, it sounds so familiar. Yeah. <laughs> so, I know a person like that. Right. So so they so it's confusing for them inside because I really want you and I get scared if you're not here, but it's also when you are here, it gets a little overwhelming and it's a bit much for me. Yeah, that's really confusing. It's very confusing. For the other person. Yeah. Now, so look, any any wounding inside you? Like, if you're familiar with alchemy, the turning of base metal into gold? Anyway, so alchemy is this, like, medi, like this, like, myth, um, like, folklore story of how, 
you know, people used to try and turn lead into gold, right? These emotions, this ability to feel abandoned or rejected, right? And the sadness and the pain and the anxiety and all that, that's the lead. When you go through a process of getting to know that side of you and integrating it and feeling it fully and letting it move through you and being able to stand in your authentic self and share it with another, we have turned that base metal into gold, right? So it is confusing, but someone that is um um has disorganized attachment that's what the fourth one is when they have a bit of both um could be an amazing couples therapist for example because they can have empathy for both people right wow. right and so I, I mean i say like look i i couldn't do what i do as well as i do without having known a lot of wounding on both the abandonment side and the rejection side my number one qualification to do what I do is I'm a wounded human being. And so if you come to my office, right, like it's my ability to empathize with you and know like, oh, my God, I feel that too. Oh, my God, I could do that. No wonder yeah. you're shouting right now or you're <laughs> shutting down. So then a person, so let's say then a person that is really likes their partner. I'm trying to think of an example. A person that really likes their partner, but then they're, they're, they're suddenly reacting in a way that um, – um, like, like they're doing things to try to push you away by saying rude things to see your reaction, see if you stay around and you're like, why are you doing this? I'm like, I don't know. It's just who I am. And it's just like constantly trying to push you away. And the other person's confused because you're like, why are they doing that? But then they want you to come near them because obviously they want right. that love, which is what you're describing. Yeah. That's their attachment style. How do they fix that? Well, the first thing we do is we just study it. Right. Awareness is the first thing. Right. And again, ideally, we could study it in the, the couple would be open to studying what they're co-creating with each other together. Right. The way I'm hurting and there's the way I react and then I hurt you and then you react back. And we could actually study what that system is that we create. And then we could study each in person individually. So when I'm actually doing this thing where I'm like telling you to get away from me, but then I want you close, then we could try and get to the root, what's the vulnerable experience? And we could be in the vulnerable experience. And then we could share what the vulnerability is underneath that reactivity and give ourselves a chance to be loved and give our partner a chance to actually be there and love us. Yeah, I mean, that could be really exhausting for their partner <laughs> and confusing. And I mean, the right. partner is only human, so their partner is going to react in their own type of way. But yeah, exactly. But that's I'm aware now that that's like an attachment style, which is kind of I'm going to keep pushing away to hope and see how much I can uh, right. bother you to, to, to make sure like you yeah. love me so much that you're going to stick around. But eventually people who do that, you're going to push everyone away. So you're going to end up alone. Yeah, but let me just like, look, I... I you know, I've met, like, I've worked with thousands of couples, right? I don't see couples where one person is the bad guy. When you really, really get to sit with people and know people, they're both wounded human beings, and they both have ways of protecting themselves when they're hurting. And so, again, like, I would just, like, the one thing I would just say to you in response to what you just said, it sounds like the way you were describing it, there's this one person in the relationship that's really <laughs> bad. And actually, there's no way to a better relationship where one person has to carry the vast majority of the blame or fault for what's going on, right? It always takes two people to, to tango. Totally. Yeah, I anyway, agree. So. No, I agree. I agree. I'm just talking about that specific attachment style. Yeah, absolutely, right? And look, here's the good news, right? You know, you... 
Someone with um, insecure attachment is not going to drag a securely attached person down with them, but someone with secure attachment could help bring up someone with an insecure attachment. Aww. Yeah. I tried. <laughs> yeah. Um. Oh, yeah. So I don't know if we should get into it. I, I was just saying, and when I was sending you questions, how like I personally don't believe that you... I don't, I guess maybe that's my second Violet coming in where she's a sure. strong one and that's my yeah. defense mechanism. But I don't, I almost like, I don't like it when people bring in their old scars or people like, well, my dad never said uh, I love you to me and that's why I'm a piece of shit person and that's why I'm going to treat people shitty. And I feel like a lot of people would just carry things like that with them. And I think that's unfair to bring your childhood trauma um, into your new relationships because everyone goes through trauma. People, I feel like people are so selfish sometimes and they don't realize that everyone's hurting. Like right. everyone's felt pain. Totally. But doesn't mean that you have to take your pain and dump it on someone else. So what do you think about that? Yeah, yeah, no, thank you. That's a great question. So look, so look, our childhood trauma is the number one thing that is dictating how we're into, how we're, um, our childhood experience is the number one way that we're that dictates how we interact with the world. And usually the world's uh, number one representative is our partner. If we're in a long-term relationship or if we're still a kid, the world's number one representative is our mom or our dad, right? Or our primary caregiver. So so you're right. Like it, it's like if someone is really hurt inside and every time they get in an altercation, they actually start to see their partner as the cause of their hurt. Um, you know, I would say if if you're hysterical, it's historical. If for me for me to get in a fight with you or I'm really upset with you, um, there's no way it's just what's happening right now. Like if my if I start like, what the hell, Violet? Like there's something else going on other than just this moment, right, between you and me, right? But that's just a fact. There's no point in going, yeah, you shouldn't be bringing your childhood trauma into this moment. Look, that's not a choice people are making. But are they willing to do the work after it's happened, right? Are they willing to do the work of, remember I said, of reverse engineering? So I spent the 30 minutes thinking, you. Yeah, and I'm going to be shitty now because I'm back in those feelings. I don't like to feel, right? So let's say I spend 30 minutes. What am I going to do? Got 30 minutes where I cannot stop doing it. What am I going to do on minute 31? Am I going to reverse engineer my reactivity to my vulnerability and own it? Look, it's me and I'm hurting and I actually need you and I know I've been pushing you away. That's the key. That's the transmutation that this base metal that could ruin our lives, I am now converting into my magic power. What makes me a vulnerable, authentic human being that is really like vulnerable and I'm able to own it and reach out from that vulnerability. Got it. So I think it just sounds like also a lot of people are not willing to do the work. Okay, because for example, uh, my dad didn't say I love you to me or hug me until I was 24 and it's fine. <laughs> and then after <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know who you're telling it's fine they're like well, go on anyway, yeah but like we have a good relationship now because yeah. i made the decision to 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 become more vulnerable and to show emotions because obviously that made me then grow up 
being completely shut yeah. down, not feeling safe. Right. Obviously, that made me grow up not feeling safe, expressing emotions because I could get rejected. And I mean, right. I literally, I think growing up, like I was too scared to want to hug my dad or to tell him that I love them because I was like, well, what if my dad says, ew, what are you doing? And it's so, as an adult, thinking about that, that sounds right. crazy. But as a child, you're like, what if my own dad rejects me? But I went past it because one day I worked enough on myself and I said, you know what? I don't care if my dad rejects me because I love him and I want him to know that I love him. So even if he doesn't say back, he's going to feel what I'm feeling. And, you know, I tried it and he hugged me back and he said, I love you back. And it's obviously been, it's been better ever since, but I had those moments where I had to get through it. So I guess for me, it gets frustrating when I meet other people that I can feel their pain and I can feel, and I can see their uh, attachment styles. And then I feel like, I work so hard on myself and then I'm being dumped all their baggage onto me. Mm. And I think that's where my bitterness can come from because it's like, I can't always be strong for everyone else. Like I also deserve to, to, to be loved. And right. instead I, maybe, maybe it's like empathic people or like stronger people emotionally end up always drawing the more vulnerable vic type of, um, not victims, but, or toxic people. I don't mean toxic, but sure. You know how you yeah, kind of yeah, explain reactive, like a secure, very reactive. a secure vulnerable person versus yeah. an insecure vulnerable right. person. You end up attracting yeah. each other. So well, so look, absolutely, and this is where um, look. So, firstly, in an ideal world, little girls wouldn't have to make the compromise that dad's not going to get there and hug me. I'm the one that has to become the grown up and and do the reach. Like, it's heartbreaking, right? And well done. It's both, right? It's sad that that's what you had, you had to do this, right? And this is, you know, no one was there, but I'll be the one that I've been waiting for and I'll make it happen. And that's great. But Oh, so that's what I did. I was, I ended up being the one to wait you for. You were, you were. And it's still sad that, that that's what you had to do, right? You know, um, and so, look, in terms of, you know, I, I make a big differentiator between when people are dating versus they've crossed the threshold of I choose you and you're enough for me. Like in, in the world of first dating, right, it's really nervous, right, because you're not fully chosen yet, right? You don't even know if they're dating other people, right? You're not fully chosen yet. And, of course, you and or the other person doesn't know if I'm actually, they're looking at me like I'm good enough for them yet. So, like, not, I'm neither fully chosen, nor do I know if I'm actually fully acceptable to the person. That's an unbelievably vulnerable time, right? And so, during that period of time, I always like, how can you just survive without blowing yourself up, right? To let it play out. If you're really into someone, how do I, like, like actually try and let this unfold, without doing one of those self-sabotaging, I'll push you away to see if you stay, right? Or or the other person, like, will, like, you know, test you in some other way. Like, how do we stop our anxiety blowing our relationship up to see if we can Drinking. get... Just kidding. <laughs> no, yeah, kidding. I mean, that, no, it's no, true. Actually, no, it's not true. But, that makes it worse. But, but yes, but that is something people try and do. To, right? numb, to, to numb, numb all those emotions, yeah. but then eventually they have to feel it. Exactly. Right. They have to do the work. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. So look, it's a really hard time when we're in the early stages of a relationship when it's uncertain what's going to happen. Right. Um, it's just hard. It's difficult. Yeah. So it just means 
you're just not ready because you haven't done all the work. Well, I mean, look, everybody deserves to, everybody deserves to be loved. Everybody, right? Everybody's got a vulnerable little person inside. And the only reason they're acting weird is they're just trying to protect them. Right. Um, there's all, there's all that's happening. Right. And, um, the more we can see people like that, right? And I, it's really hard with our romantic partners, like in the moment to realize the more obnoxious their behavior looks, the more wounded and more lovable they are. And so, poor little devil. I always give the example, imagine like you got, you had like, like we're all little babies inside, no matter how grown up you are, you're still a little baby inside when it comes to love. Mm-hmm. And ju- just imagine like you're, you're a parent and your five-year-old stands at the top of the stairs and they go, I hate you, mommy. I'm leaving. I've written a letter and I've had enough of you. I'm going. Now, a kind of self-emotionally actualized parent would go, oh, they love me so much. (laughs) They're so upset. They're that angry with me. Oh, this is hard. The poor little devil. Right. right. Because they know the only reason they'd be standing at the top of the stairs and shouting and they've written their goodbye letter they must be really hurting to be saying all this, right? And that, and that's a very hard transition to make with our partners. The more they look really, you know, reactive, whether it's shut down, blamey, minimizing, defensive, um, they must be really, really hurting inside to act that way. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. I always say there's no angry people in the world. There are just people that look angry when they're really, really hurting inside. That's true. Actually, I think that makes sense. It's always like I think I've said that before in the past that if if I'm if I'm reactive and argumentative and whatever, I'm causing yeah, arguments yeah. and that that means that I care. Right. When the when you should be scared is when I stop, like I exactly. stop fighting, I stop reacting. That's when it means I stop caring. Exactly, that's great. I, I yeah, for me to help a couple, I need to see both people are suffering, and their worst behaviors are actually evidence to me that they're suffering. Um, then I can help. If, if someone looks like they don't care, like whatever, they're upset with me. Psh, who cares? Like that's more troubling. Yeah. No, you're yeah. right. Um, why is it so hard to let go of a relationship, even if your partner already let it go a long time ago? Oh man. I I mean, look, I, some, I, I would argue that can be the most painful experience human beings can go through. So, you know, if, if your body, your limbic system made the, you are my person that I want to be with 
I want to be enough with. And then that goes away. That's like that. That is anyone that would like judge themselves or judge, judge another for that being devastating. I don't think they really understand human nature, right? This built in need to be connected and just how excruciatingly painful it is to lose that special person in your life. Of course, it would be devastating. Right, because you're starting to go through, I'm unlovable, no one cares about me, I wasn't right. enough. And it's like you're just knocking yourself down more and more and more, which I've talked about in my other podcasts where it's important for us to lift ourselves up. But in that moment, it's... Yeah, absolutely. Look, you know, shame is an accompanying emotion. And here's what I mean by that is like, you know, let's say like I feel really sad because I've lost someone in my life. Right. And so I'm in the emotion of sadness and grief. And then shame comes along and taps me in the shoulder and says, hey, I'm here, too. Now you can feel like shit about yourself as well as being sad and in grief. Right. And that's like it, it, it hundred X's the suffering. I was already in, let's say, 10 units of suffering, like being in sadness and grief. And now shame comes along and hundred X's that 10 units. So now I'm in a thousand units of suffering. Right. So, yeah. no, it's devastating to lose someone that you really wanted to be with and it wasn't your choice. Look, it's devastating letting go of a relationship that, you know, that you love someone and you feel it's the right thing to do to let it go. That's no, that's no like, you know, vacation, sun, holiday either, right? That's a pretty devastating thing to do as well. Yeah. Um, so one of my biggest issues with myself is that... Um, I, I'm very impulsive. I get, I, I, I get rage. Like right. I get angry. And yeah. then not when the person's next to me, but then when I have a second to sit and think, yeah. I think it's like my defense mechanism, like we talked about. So it, it's rage that comes right. out instead of, I don't want to feel, I get, I get angry that someone made me feel this way. Right. And then I'm so impulsive in the heat of the moment. I say things that I always regret. I've never said something. I've never sent a text or said something that I didn't regret five minutes later. Right. So someone like me, how, how am I able to to work on that to not because, you know, because my mom said the words are like uh, birds. Once you let a bird out, that's yeah. it. It's out there. Right. And it's the same thing. Yeah. Well, so the first thing is, you know, don't be too hard on yourself. Again, just like what we were talking about. Right. Like you shouldn't judge yourself for the responses you have when you're really hurting, um, especially if it's a pain that you know, has historical significance for you that you've experienced it before, it's going to be traumatic. It's going to be really painful and you're going to have a reaction. Um, now, of course, there are limits to that. Like you're saying, you can't be just shitting all over someone because you had a bad childhood. Like, yes, it makes sense that you're hurt and you'd be reactive, but you still are responsible for the pain. So this is the thing. Many things are true all at the same time. It makes sense that you're hurt and it makes sense that you'd be reactive. And you're also still responsible for seeing the impact and the hurt that you've caused in another person. All of those things are true. But the first thing is, look, of course I'd be hurting. And of course I would have had this reactivity. And then can you try and make a repair? Can you give yourself and the other person a chance to get back to connection again? And the best way to do that is you can take that responsibility. I know I just said all these terrible things. I only said these terrible things because I was hurting. And you know why I was hurting. You know why you were hurting. 
Because I care so much. Exactly. About them. Right. About them. And that's like, it's not like I care so much about you. I never would have reacted that way if you being connected to you, whatever, in whichever way wasn't so important to me that it hurt. And I took, it takes a while. When you get really hurt, your brain gets hijacked and the part of your brain that goes into flight, 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 fright, freeze. (laughs) reacts much quicker than the part of your brain that can go, oh, I wonder what I'm feeling. Let me be curious. Like that part of your brain is not going to be online when you first get your feelings hurt. So you're going to have this moment of like, you know, the eyes narrowing, the mist, right? Like, you you know, like it's going to happen. And even if for you, it's a little bit of a delayed reaction, you start stewing on it. And then you're like, you know what? Yeah, I should tell them a thing or two, right? Like you're going to have that moment But then hopefully you can limit how long that moment is, right? Mm -hmm. So let's say when you have an angry outburst right now, it lasts this long, Mm -hmm. and you cause this much suffering. What we want to do is have an angry outburst that lasts this long, Mm -hmm. and uh, this long, and it causes just this much suffering. So it's a much smaller box of suffering. And then at the end of that box of suffering, you could actually give yourself and the other person a chance to get back connected again. Yeah. Oh, my God. I feel like through this whole podcast, I just realized my like, I never processed this until now. I literally never connected the dots. This is so funny. But I feel like I just realized my my attachment style or my um, my defense mechanism where I came from, because because how I talked about, um, you know, the fact that like until 24, like I didn't have a good relationship with my father. And then you said how I had to be there for myself. So I feel like now I finally understand my brain why I react a certain way that I react right. with lovers, with partners, yeah. which is I shut down right away. And I'm like, I have to be there for myself. So I don't right. need this type right. of love from you because I love myself. Right. And now I get where it's coming yeah. from when I do that. Right. And, and, and when you know, and you don't have to do it right now, I hope you take the time in your life to grieve for that little girl that had to learn to survive this way. Okay. <laughs> like I said, you don't have to do it today. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wait, what happens if I grieve for that little girl with that? Then you can love her up and care for her. And then you look after and love her for the rest of your life. When you go to a restaurant, you get a table for two, even though you're just on your own. Because she sits first. Okay. You're going you're gonna to be there for her for the rest of your life. And then you're going to share that little vulnerable girl inside you with someone that is also willing to share that little vulnerable boy inside of them. And you're going to love up and care for those little, those little ones inside of each of you for the rest of your life. <laughs> That's really sweet. Um, okay, so why don't we really quick talk about the test that I took, okay. which is a really cool test. And everyone should check it out. This isn't even an ad. It's like literally I was... I was taken back by the test and I really enjoyed it. Right. But anyway, it's on empathy.com with an I. And I took in, I got relentless lover. I, I don't know if like we have time for me to like read every question yeah. of what I'm doing. That's why I want people to do it themselves. But can you tell me the, how many, the type of lovers there are and the results or there like a lot? No, the, the way the it really just puts you on that axis, like um, the A-B axis of am I the person that's pursuing for closeness and more likely to feel abandoned? Or am I the person that is more likely to pull away from closeness because it seems like it's overwhelming or I may be in trouble? So there's actually... It just puts you on this A, B. So you're either will be categorized as a relentless lover or a reluctant lover. But and I think you can be, 
I feel like in a weird way, you can almost be both yeah. or the way you feel inside. Like I think sometimes I feel inside like a relentless lover, but yeah. the way I react without realizing is a reluctant Yeah, and the, the empathy discovery process takes that into account. Like, so on the surface, one might look like a relentless lover because I'm like, I'm blaming and critical, which is more likely the behaviors of a relentless lover. But deep down inside, I might feel like I'm not enough because I'm always a disappointment and I'm not worthy of love. And and then depending on your answers, we wait. Like So there's a few different things. It's not just your outward behavior that determines your attachment style. There's also your story of yourself and what the vulnerable feelings are. So there, there's different things we take into account. And, and look, the empathy quiz and discovery process is like, it's supposed to be a beginning of a journey. Like you said, it's a lifelong journey. It, for many people, it's the first reflection they ever receive of this is who you are in a loving, kind way from an attachment perspective. And, and by the way, I don't know if you did this, but the one thing I would say that I think is the coolest thing about the empathy process is if you take it and then you invite your partner and they take it, and it can be man, woman, 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 man, man, they, they, right? We have it all. Let any Everything goes, right, uh, between two people um, only. Can't do more, like, three people. But if they both do it, right, if you both take the quiz, then we give you your relationship system report. And this is the coolest part. You can then see, oh, geez, would you look what we co-create together? Mm -hmm. So it actually illustrates for you. So when I'm hurting and then I blame you, now you're hurting in this way and no wonder now you pull away from me. And so it shows you what you co-create and then it gives you the steps of what you have to work on for the rest of your life. <laughs> no, that was kind of cool. Yeah, it's like when the, my partner pulls away, that makes me feel like abandoned and rejected, which then makes me react this type of this way, right. which I pull away, which I think maybe makes my partner react this way. Right. So then I react this way. It's perfect, it's like, yeah. It was kind of crazy to see yeah. it. Um, and then I think after I took after I took that um, quiz, then I also signed up on empathy.com slash go. Oh, yeah. I signed up on that course because you uh, gave me a coupon. So I'm really excited to do that because it's basically a course um, to learn how to to learn how to love better. Even though I yeah. think I'm already doing a good job, there's always more room to learn. Right. So I'm really excited to take that course and right. kind of what is that course about? Yeah. So that look, I, I tried uh, as much as I could to put the A to Z of how to learn about yourself and how to be a better partner and how to make relationship work into one self-paced course. And so it's learning to love better to conflict solution. And so it's a course with 16 videos, it's three, over three hours of videos, me harping on. There's a really extensive workbook and you can take it on your own or take it with your partner. And what, what would be, what would be the best for your listeners? I can just give them a discount yeah, code you can if do they that. take it. What would be the best like coupon code? I'll just create it. Mm, maybe be crazy. Okay. So yeah, so if if you go to empathy with an I at the end dot com forward slash go and you enter be crazy on the checkout page, you'll get a fifty percent discount off the course. Oh nice. I and then the quiz is free. Right the quiz is totally free. You just go to empathy.com and uh, hit the quiz in the main menu. Yeah, I took it last night and I don't even have a partner. 
So I was just, anyway. So I was just uh, deciding like in my brain how I react on right. things like that. So it was really interesting. And that's what kind of made me want to like sign up for. Um, you can course. go through the whole process. It's actually a really cool thing to do. If you do not currently have a partner, you can go through it and then invite, send it to your an, a second email of yours. And you could do an amalgamation of all your past partners or you can do your ex and you then read their self-discovery report as well as your own. And then you could then see your relationship system report to see what you co-created in the past and start to learn about yourself. So maybe when you're ready to get back in the saddle, yeah. you might be able to do it differently. Well, I think it's important because I feel like you kind of get to learn then what type of partners you attract based on your reactions. And also, like, I feel like it... Like even throughout this whole conversation, obviously in the beginning, certain things that you were talking about, I my body stiffed up and I felt right. resentment, which obviously came from whoever I was maybe dating or talking to that made me feel a certain way. And that's why I yeah. felt resentment. But then right. towards like the end of um, this episode, I started to feel like you said, it's like, oh, you little devil. So I started to feel more compassion for right. that person. Great. So I yeah. think that's why it doesn't matter if you have a partner right now or someone you were dating before. I think it's still really interesting to... To kind of have compassion for yourself and compassion for your lover, your ex-lover, whether or not you will get back together. I don't know. And, like, and for yourself. And right. especially for yourself. Yeah, exactly. I'm always strong for myself. That is my biggest not, problem. Well, <laughs> like, I'm too not strong. that bad a problem. But. Well, no, but then I, I think that's, I don't know that my attachment style comes in into that. But like, yeah. I think whatever, I have to, I have to, I have to, I have to work on that. I have to. I have to do some research on that. Right. Understand. <laughs> well, I, I'm happy to talk to you more and stuff. So thank you. Okay. So um, thank you, by the way, so much for coming in today. I wish we had more time to talk about all these things because you really touched on a lot of things. And uh, you obviously, I can tell you, you know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Um, where can people find you? Yeah, probably the easiest is just to stick with the empathy.com. And that, again, it's empathy with an I on the end.com. Um, I couldn't afford empathy with a Y on the end.com. So that's, that's just it. Yeah. Okay. Um, do you have like um, Instagram, Facebook? I mean, look, I made, um, because I'm married with two kids, I try not to do an awful lot of social media. You can find me on social media on empathy now dot com or dot com empathy now or facebook em empathy now i do have a youtube channel honestly i don't even know what the name what the it is on youtube okay so guess if people if you want to learn more about yourself and have empathy and compassion for yourself and empathy and love and compassion for your partner and for both of you then you should definitely check out the website empathy with an eye dot com and then you can take the free quiz you can take the course if you wanted to learn how to love better um just in general in life and for your partner and for yourself and, and you use, use the coupon. coupon that he just gave which would be be crazy um you can get 50 percent off of that course um and you and your partner can take that so yeah it's all really cool stuff hopefully eventually you can come back because i would love to learn more about this uh all these emotion stuff. And I'm really proud of myself that, I mean, I was supposed to cry, but I'm really proud of myself that I didn't cry through this episode, but it was hard. Like I was feeling a lot of things you were saying. Yeah. And, and well, thank you. Yeah. So thank you so yeah, much. Thank for you so in. much Violet, for having me on the show. Um, all right. Well, thanks so much you guys for listening to another episode of too tired to be crazy. If you have any questions for me, don't forget to DM me on Violet Benson and too tired to be crazy on Instagram. If you have any questions for figs, I said figs or yeah. is it fig? For no, figs. 
If you have any questions for Figs, go on empathywithanai.com and find him there. Do the quiz, do the course, work on yourself. Um, which, you know, it's a lifelong journey of working on yourself. And don't forget to also leave me a five-star review and uh, we love you forever. So I'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.